House of Mystery presents Inside Writing, the radio show where authors discuss their writing process in all genres. So we have uh, Dr. Hugo Droshan calling all the way from the UK, and he was a uh, one of the prime researchers on a major research project at the University of Cambridge, and they've been polling on conspiracy theories across the UK and Europe and the US for a number of years now, and they've just recently put out their latest results, which are um, really fascinating. So it's, okay. a, it's really a pleasure to bring him in. Yeah, well, Hugo, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Um, I was going to say, it's always very cold in England, but maybe that explains why we have more lizards, is that they're just out all the time. And that's why David Icke is in, based in the UK and not in Miami. Um, <laughs> but maybe these are the things we can talk about more as, as it develops. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my. How does the Queen survive? I heard she's a lizard, so... <laughs> Yeah, she's yeah, she's one of them. Well, it's you know, it's I don't know. It's colder. Maybe they have the heating very on very high in the in the in the palace of uh, Buckingham. Um, that's why they're doing all the works. That explains everything now. That's why they're doing all those the, all those massive works, which cost I don't know how many million. It's to make sure they're not too cold. Everything's explained now. Wow, we solved another issue. <laughs> there you go. So so let's talk about your uh, your recent study. Um, uh, we'll let you run with it. So, what, do you, what, what was the most uh, surprising to you to start with? Um, we've yeah. So we've been doing some of these studies for a while. It was all all, all thanks to, to Joe Uzinski actually. The first study they did there. We just wanted to run it kind of in in Europe um, and to see how, how things were going. And um, when 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 I try to do some of these talks, I often ask the, the the audience, you know, do you think there's more conspiracy theories in the U.S. than there are in in the U.K.? And they all put their hands up. But it's not true. Um, there's there's almost uh, quite a, a kind of it's a U.S. And, and and so it's actually our study is not actually the U.K. as such. I don't know if this is very important for your U.S. listeners, but it's Great Britain. It's only England, Wales, and Scotland. We don't have Northern Ireland because it's a bit difficult to pull there. But there's 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 quite strong similarities in terms of the people at least on their survey who are who are saying they believe certain things like 9/11 or. Or whatever it might be, and um, NGB. So there's not that much dissimilar, and I think as Joe's probably been saying for quite a while, it, you know, it's not it's not that much of a minority sport. It's it's it seems to be at least half of the population, if not more. In ours, it's closer to actually 60% of the population who will answer yes to one statement, which you might associate with conspiracy theory belief. So that was so that's the overall thing. And then we have with the interesting thing is on the latest one. Is that we have breakdowns on um, on differences between Trump supporters and Clinton voters, and also in the GB UK context, and between those who voted to remain within the European Union and those who voted to leave the European Union, so Brexiters and Remainers, and there's there's quite stark differences um, concerning those two different groups. Um, I won't. Uh, I'll let you guess which ones are more likely to to, answer, to believe at least some of the conspiracy theories. We can go through them if you're interested. Um, so those so those are the kind of those are the, those are the kind of things to overall to kind of start off with if you want. So what really struck me is the differences. You could sort of see a different personality profile, uh, but you know that makes Trump and Brexiters, Trump voters and Brexiters, very similar, and Clinton voters yeah. and Remain voters very similar. 
And yeah. it seems like they share somewhat different preferences when it comes to, you know, who they think is conspiring against them and why. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Um, I think we were, and this is, we were thinking about this is like, okay, we have these basket of deplorables, you know, are the Brexiters also a basket of deplorables? But, um, but, you know, and we have some of the results here. So, um, it's true that the, the obviously, as, as we've known in, in the kind of news for quite a while, the biggest, one of the biggest concerns is immigration and also the question, the, the kind of Muslim question, if you want. So here's some statistics if you're interested, but basically Trump voters, 44% of them will agree with the statement, um, the statement then being the government is, de- is deliberately hiding the truth about how many immigrants really live in this country. So Trump voters, it's 44%. Brexiteers, people who voted to leave, it's 47%. Whereas Clinton voters, it's 12%, and Remainers, it's 14%. So there's, there's, that's one example. And the other example also is, I don't know if you've spoken about on the show about this theory of the great replacement, which is, uh, which was, which was brought up by actually by this, um, by this French author, um, called Renaud Camus, who, who has his theory that basically elites are conspiring to bring, you know, non-white, non-Christian kind of immigrants into the country and so that they would become a majority within that country itself. So, you know, you hear all the different echoes of that, both in Europe um, and in the U.S. And again, the cross breaks are, are very stark. So Trump supporters, 41% of those agree with the statement um, that we had, which was Muslim immigration to this country is part of a bigger plan to make Muslims a majority of this country's population. So Trump supporters, 41% agree with that. Brexiters, it was 31%. And again, Clinton voters or Remainer was either three percent or six percent. So yes, yeah, so there seems to be some some kind of very overlapping concerns, at least in terms of in terms of what's going on with the um, with their with the politics of their day. Yeah, so these seem like really big issues, and we I, I've been doing some some polling on this with similar questions recently, and we asked um, both in the U.S. and the U.K. Do you think the government is hiding the true costs of immigration? From um, from voters, and we got very similar numbers, but but higher. So we had 55% agreed with that statement in the U.S., um, and I think it was a little bit higher in the U.K. Um, yeah. So it's 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 pretty wild that there is a seems to be a massive distrust when it comes to um, immigration and why it's happening, and and if people are being told the truth about it. Yeah. Yeah, and we could pick up, I mean, and you have a lot of this too, but in the data, some of the first questions that we asked in our survey, then, which was done with YouGov, and it was done, I should say, um, it was in August, um, so like 13th to 23rd. But we, ha- we asked all these questions about trust in journalists, trade union leaders, academics, friends, family members, people you mean in general, then senior officials of the European Union, senior officials of the U.S. government, we have that too, government ministers in my country, religious leaders, military leaders, people who run large organizations, and trust is, is absolutely minimal every single time. You know, the, the amount of people who trust journalists, sorry, um, <laughs> but in, you know, in, in, in the United States, you know, trust journalists, so it's actually one of the highest, good for you. In the U.S., it's 14%, but in, in GB, it was only 2% who trust journalists a great deal. Um, and then you have <clears throat> other things about well, what we have. We have U.S. you know senior officials in the U.S. government. In the U.S., only five percent trust um, senior officials in U.S. government a great deal. 
in, in GB, it's 1%, so you know, statistically insignificant if you want. Um, the EU doesn't do much better. The, in the United States, 6% trust senior officials of the European Union, um, but then in GB, it's only 2%, right? So, the, so there's massive, massive distrust. The, the, only, the, the thing that we, there was some hope in that we, um, friends and family members, thankfully, um, retain, retain our trust. Um, and so we, we were having kind of discussions as to what role families and uh, friends and, and family members might play in having these types of discussions about um, about certain aspects of immigration or conspiracy theories that would be that would be linked to, um, to it. So, but massive distrust across the board, which obviously causes poses loads of problems for our democratic regimes. Yeah, I guess one that really jumped out at me, because, I mean, people have political opinions about immigration and whatnot, but one where we've seen um, clear harm come from the beliefs is with the with the idea that vaccines have these yeah. dangers that are being deliberately hidden from the public, either by the big pharma or by uh, the government who want to inject people with poison or track them somehow. Um, and this is a very prevalent belief here i mean in my classes i ask my students how many of you got the flu shot and of the, the students who don't you know one of the most frequent reasons is well i think it gives you the flu uh, which is not true or it's a government plot to stick us with yeah. something yeah it's really good we have we have we have this and it also there's a break between then trump supporters and clinton supporters again and brexiters and remainers i mean what we had overall for the u.s it was 15% responded um, that they agreed to the statement, the truth about the harmful effects, effects of vaccines is being deliberately hidden from the public. So it's 15% in the United States, 10% in Great Britain. But if you look then in terms of Trump supporters and, um, and Brexiteers, um, yeah, it's much higher. So, so the anti-vaxxers, we call them Trump's, Trump voters, 25% agreed with the statement, the truth about harmful effects of vaccines is being deliberately hidden from the public. Clinton supporters, it was only 9%. And again, in the GB um, UK setting, 13% of Brexiteers, of Leavers, agreed with the anti-vax um, element, whereas Remainers, it was only 5%. So it's, it's widespread, um, and then again, quite marked um, um, politically too. Yeah, and it, this sort of goes against... Um like a common trope that we have, because here we tend to think anti-vaxxers are often um, on the left. But what, what your data shows is that you wind up with, with quite a bit of it on the right. I know that when we were polling in 2016, we were asking some of these questions about vaccines. Sanders supporters seem to be less sure of the safety of vaccines than Clinton supporters. So, there, I mean, there's an element of this in the Democratic Party, but um, Trump seems to have woken something. Um, about, about this issue. <laughs> yeah. He seems it's to have a lot of things. things. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. So, and we've been grappling with it. I mean, so it's quite interesting. It's interesting, um, Hillary versus kind of Bernie Sanders and whether, you know, whether with Sanders supporters might be considered slightly more to the left. Um, so we're kind of, I don't know if we want to talk, not necessarily about extremes but being slightly more hard um core and we, we in our surveys we we find that too you know people are are more to the left or much more to the right than say center left or center right they're slightly more likely to seem to endorse some of these types of statements but we have been grappling with the fact that 
you know, we have these, these certain statements which, which can amount to something like a conspiracy theory, but trying to parse out whether people are saying yes to these for political reasons or whether they're saying yes to this because they actually fundamentally believe that that's the case. Um, and it seems that, but I think that goes along with a lot of the work that maybe that's been doing in conspiracy theories, which is, you know, when there's uncertainty about certain things. So in Europe, obviously, if you remember, there was this, you know, this wave of Syrian immigrants that came into Europe that Merkel allowed them all in, one million. And around then, obviously, the, all these questions about immigration spiked, um, and we're still having the after effects of that. So, um, so you know, conspiracy theories, political questions, um, but also the fact that conspiracy theories often fill that vacuum when there's uncertainty, when there's a fear of threat, um, and there's, it's unclear what the future is going to bring out. Um, so it all it all ties into a kind of a quite quite kind of um, radical or a kind of quite toxic cocktail actually of, of different elements. So one really fascinating thing to me about your work is that you've been polling on some of these questions for for, for a number of years now, and I think in one of the first polls you did, you sort of saw the antecedents of Brexit um, before yeah. Brexit before a vote was even scheduled and even on the national agenda at that point. Um, and, and, and it looks like, you know, the, the conspiracy opinions almost perfectly predicted what the vote was going to be, but long in advance. Yeah, well, you know, we're only trying to follow in your footsteps um, and they're all kind of the pioneering work that you did. Um, we did have, I'm trying to find the exact, uh, the exact reference, but we had, we had two questions. So here you go. Okay, I have them here. So we had two questions. So we did... This was back in 2015, and it was really just a pilot kind of poll to see. We were trying to emulate what, what, what Joe had, had done in the U.S. We were just trying to do a pilot to see how we can get along. So we asked a number of different questions. And again, this was just in the GB, but it was um, February 2015, so a few months then before, before the Brexit referendum itself, which was in June um, um, 2016. But already there we had, we had two different types of questions. One, again... We had a question about the, the government is deliberately hiding the truth about how many immigrants really live in this country. And we also had the question, the officials of the European Union are gradually seeking to take over all lawmaking powers in this country. And in es essence, what we had was 52% um, agreed with the statement officials of the European Union are gradually seeking to take over all lawmaking powers in this country, which is exactly actually the Brexit vote. It was 52 in the end. Um, and then 55 agreed with the, with the statement about immigration. Obviously, the, the type of question and type of answers that, that um, we had were slightly, um, they were slightly different to the ones that we did in 2016 and 2018. But yeah, it's clearly there's quite strong links. And there was also quite strong links about concerns about immigration again in Germany in 2016, also in Sweden. And that seemed to anticipate somewhat the rise of the IFD in Germany, you know, the far-right anti-immigration group, and also the Swedish Democrats in, um, in Sweden um, in those elections. And, you know, beyond that, there was also the question about what was going to happen in Italy in the last round that we had on the one hand, the kind of the hard right, and then a left-wing kind of populist party taking over there. So there's definitely, it's, it definitely gives you an entry point um, into, into what might happen in, in, in politics and um, and what, what, what are the things at least to look out for um, in terms of what's going to happen. And there's definitely, as 
I think Joe, as you were mentioning, there's, there's these broader trends. We can, we can almost, we can do some comparisons between what Trump voters and Brexiteers think about certain questions about immigration. So there are global patterns and trends here which we can hopefully discern through this angle then of conspiracy theories. That's that's really fascinating. I, I I guess one thing that that comes to mind is that you know when you say the U.S. and the U.K. aren't that different, you know a lot of people think that the U.S. is very exceptional when it comes to yeah. um, its its belief in conspiracy theories, but it's it's not. Um, but there's a lot of other countries where these theories are becoming a major part of the politics. You know, it's it's, and it's not just with immigration, but in in Italy right now you have a push to. Um, replace all the people who study or who manage science policy and replace them with conspiracy theorists or something yeah. like that. You have a party in charge that, that doesn't believe in vaccines. Yeah. Um, and this is going on in other countries too. Like, why do you think it might be the case that, it, I don't know if there is a wave, but at least on the surface it looks like there is some sort of conspiracy wave sort of sweeping the Western world. Yeah, it's a really good it's a really good question. I think, and in a lot of your work um, previously, and I think there's a, a bit of a consensus in which that, you know, conspiracy theories. It's a way of a lot of people are expressing that it's a way of rejecting the kind of political authorities um, of the day. And so it's true, you know, if you think about well, there's been some slight consensus between different parties and in most in a lot of the Western world that it seems that the only way if you want to kind of have true opposition to that is to reject that completely. And conspiracy theories is, is, is one way of doing it. And I think it's been, it's been fed also. I mean, Trump is, is, is a good example, I think, in the U.S., but it's been fed also by, by political leaders. Um, I'm, sure, I'm sure you've talked about the links between conspiracy theories and, 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 and populism or illiberal Democrats, whatever you want to call them, who kind of, it's part of their style, and it's the way that they've challenged the challenged kind of the, the, the what's it called the dead center if you want to call it in, in, in those old terms um, and I think in our survey um, we we also this time round and 2018 over the summer we polled Hungary so Hungary with Orban and, and all the things that's going on there and, and Hungary actually of all the of all the countries we've kind of polled comes out really it, it comes out very much the highest where it seems that um, you know only 15 percent of the population didn't didn't think that one of the uh, one of the questions that we asked about different uh, conspiracy theories, there were only 15 of them thought that none of them were true. So, so um, so it means like a very large majority, so 85% of the population answered yes to one of these types of questions on vaccines and 9/11, um, Holocaust denial, whatever you you want, um, and a lot of them. You know, and we go back to the question of immigration, this idea of the great replacement, and it scores very, very high in Hungary. I'm just trying to get the exact um, immigration. So, um, so um, yes, yeah, so 48% of Hungarians think that the government is deliberately hiding the truth about how many immigrants really live in this country. That's like, that is higher um, than Trump supporters. Right, and this is a, the average for Hungary. So, so, you know, these are all, so I don't know what you want to call them. All of Hungary are, are kind of basket of deplorables and on this specific issue. Um, if I can use that type of language, I'll probably get shot down. And then, and, and, and also then the question about Muslim immigration to this country is a bigger, is a part of a bigger plan from, to make Muslims a majority. That's believed by 20% of the population in a country which in essence has almost zero immigration. 
Um, so these are obviously quite politically charged um, questions. Um, Orban has played them. It's been a way to kind of push back against um, the European Union too. Um, so it's concerns about concerns about the future, a feeling of threat, which which is in many cases very. Um, it's, it's illusionary. It's, it's not a tangible threat as such because there's almost zero immigration into Hungary, but it's tapping into deeper, pro- probably cultural fears about identity or certain um, aspects that go along with that. Well, well, well. How did you ever ask these people in your in your interviewing if, like, what makes them believe in these these theories without evidence? Like, why would they not trust experts in science, people that do the job, rather than just, you know, YouTube videos? That's that's a real tough one, um, and I think maybe I don't know if Joe is better placed to answer that one. I mean, we're we're trying to do these uh, to do so. These are often they're in, they're internet kind of surveys too. We're trying to gather as much information about these types of people. Um, also, and then try to hold certain variables to make to figure out who believes. And you know, there is, um, there does seem to be. I, I, we've tried to develop a number of different ideas about about why this is the case. Why do people, why do people believe in these types of, of conspiracy theories? And there def, there definitely seems to be um, ex, a, a sense of exclusion and a, a sense of disempowerment. Certainly seems to play a role in in in, in the belief. So. Um, you know, it's it's the it's the classic case that well, you know, when when you don't understand why you're not making you know your way better through life, it's it's sometimes for for certain people it's it's easy to to fall back on on this idea that well, there is mouths and forces out there that are stopping you from actually achieving what you should be achieving. That's uh, um, I can see how it's seductive for a certain part of the, for a certain part of the population. And what's interesting normally in, in that, at least these are some of the psychological, I think, studies that have been done where they've gone more in depth into the type of question you're interested in and in trying to understand psychologically why people are attracted to conspiracy theories, is that in, in saying, okay, well, you know, my, my life is going this certain way and I'm str- struggling and, and whatever it might be, um, that in saying, okay, well, it's because there's a small group of people who actually control everything and they have a master plan and that's why they've been keeping me down. There's a, there is a sense of, of at least intellectual empowerment which goes with that, which at least you've explained to yourself the world in which you live. Um, and so that's comforting, to, I think, to a, to a certain degree. And, you, you know, you can understand why there might be lots of people who, who, who are struggling and, and feel that that's, that's one way to try to, try to understand it. So I think those, those, that's based slightly more on the psychological studies. Um, we had, we're trying to do this overall kind of, it's not really big data, but kind of overall perspective and, and get some sense of what the polling is. But there's, but exclusion, I think a sense of exclusion from, from, from power, um, from politics, a sense of exclusion even in the economic or social life of your country, um, that, that will t- push people, I think, into, into trying to give an account of why that is the case. And conspiracy theories are kind of a ready, ready made, easily accessible, Account and theory of why why that might be the case. Yeah, yeah, kind of blame someone else. Um, I, I just wonder now: are the conspiracy theories and what people believe in the same in the UK, or different? Like, do you have um, the same sort of theories and they're popular, or is it totally a totally a different sort of set of of conspiracies? Um. 
Yeah, so we, for the consistency of the survey, we asked how many, one, two, three, like about eight or nine um, questions, which were all the same, and we asked them um, kind of throughout. It's hard to, so it's hard to judge. We don't know if, you know, if you'd ask something else in a different country, whether more people would be responded. But in terms of what we did ask, um, you know, there's, there, there is some, there, it, it's relatively coherent between the US and, and, and the GB in the terms of the responses that, that we get. Um, they're relatively close enough in terms of the percentage of people who say that they agree with them. So, um, as I was trying to say already about, you know, immigration and um, this idea of the Great Replacement, over once you move away from Trump and Clinton or Brexit and Remainers, overall, um, the, the statistics are are not that very um, very dissimilar. So, um, the vaccines, one for instance. In the United States, 15% agree with the statement. In the GB, it's um, 10%. Um, immigration in U.S. is 21. GB, it's 30%. So there's variation, but and there's you know there's, it's not zero and and 20 and 50 or whatever it might be. So there there seems maybe there is a, there is an international kind of like menu of conspiracy theories which people which people seem to, to pluck their ideas um, their ideas from. And that, that seems to be relatively international. It's not just U.S. and GB, because we asked, you know, we also polled Italy, Portugal, Poland, France, Sweden, Germany, Hungary, and there are variations, but there, you know, there are variations within a certain within a certain amount. And so all of these people seem to have some some views on 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 these types of questions that we've been asking. So, you know, a lot of the conspiracy theories we talk about are somewhat political in nature or medical or economic, but then there are some more zany ones, I guess, for lack of a better term. Um, so I know in the past you've asked about things like um, alien beliefs or whatnot. Are aliens um, flying around and visiting us or, yeah. or are alien existence being covered up by the government? Um, yeah. Have you been polling on that recently um, or, or was it just a few years ago? Yeah, we we have we have that exact question. So we have one question, which is: Humans have made contact with aliens, and this fact has been deliberately hidden from the public. In the U.S., 14% of the population agrees with that. In the GB, it's lower; it's only 8%. So we have that. We also have questions about AIDS. So we have a question about the AIDS virus was created and spread around the world on purpose by secret group or organization. Um, let me just get the. So it's 9% in the U.S. and 4% in GB. Um, we have Holocaust denial, which um, which you'd be glad to know is not very high either in the U.S. or in GB. It's four percent and two percent. Um, global warming is a hoax, and U.S. that's seventeen percent in GB. It's seven percent, and we've talked about vaccines. Um, and then we have Joe coming from from the work that you, that, that you did in terms of identifying the kind of the harder core, if you want, of, of conspiracy theory belief. So one of those questions being, regardless of who is officially in charge of governments and other organizations, there is a single group of people who secretly control events and rule the world together. I think that's one of the core questions you had, and we we tried to kind of replicate that. And here you see U.S. and GB is not that dissimilar. In U.S., 17% of the population say yes to that. In GB, it's 14%. Um, so there's not much there's not much difference there between the two. So it's pretty wild to think that, you know, in just the people that you'll interact with on any given day, um, some of them are likely, just by chance, to hold pretty hardcore uh, conspiracy theory beliefs. I mean, it just it, in my day walking around, I'm going to walk into somebody who, you know, thinks that aliens are wandering around or that vaccines are a hoax or, or, or something like that. 
Yeah, many of them are, are probably your colleagues. Um, you know, <laughs> if you went around your colleagues, um, you well, will, that's you will find true. it. Like, yeah, exactly. It's definitely true. I, I can attest to that too, which I think goes to to one of your, your previous studies is that you will find conspiracy theorists in all walks of life. Um, you will find them everywhere. Um, the question is then, are certain people more likely to believe conspiracy theories, yes or no? But you will, you will definitely find them everywhere. And, you know, uh, percentage-wise, one in two would probably agree with one of one of these types of statements. Um, so, yeah, they are, they, are, they, they are around. I suppose the question then is, you know, they've always probably been, been, they've always been around. Um, it's just a, a question of, of how that's been. There are questions about technology, I think, uh, in terms of how they've been probably have slightly more access now through social media, Facebook, YouTube. Oh, that was one thing that we did find. We did actually within within the we, we did ask about social media consumption, which hopefully was was a new kind of uh, bring aspect to it. And obviously, you know, it's very, very high people where people get their news from. And, um, and we found there was a link, you know, Facebook you know, does in, seem to encourage a slightly more belief in conspiracy theories. Twitter, surprisingly, had the inverse effect. If you're more on Twitter, you're less likely to believe in conspiracy theories. Maybe that's because it's slightly more journalistically kind of um, bent. But the one which was very strongly linked was YouTube. Um, mm. And you know what? When I, when I think of YouTube, I think about... Um, building seven of the World Trade Center collapsing on itself and all those videos that go, go around and people see that video and they say, look, that's, there's the proof that, you know, it's controlled demolition. Um, and it's because you have this, it's, it's directly there. Whereas before, you know, with, with the media was slightly differently organized and you had journalists or you had gatekeepers, if you want, who, who made, who kind of filtered out some of those, some of those slightly wilder kind of green ink, um, the people who used to write in with their green ink to the to the editors, that that filter is no longer there. And in fact, the whole model even of something like Facebook is is to encourage as much volume as possible. That's that's where that's that's the business model. And we know that fake news or conspiracy theories are more likely to be shared than than real news, if you can put it that way. So 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 the technology has definitely um, kind of played a role. Um, and then there, I think there is the, the, the changes of, of the politics of the societies that we live, which have also been driving that slightly. I mean, Twitter's sort of interesting in that if you come out with a conspiracy theory, I mean, anyone can jump in and just say that's crazy and provide evidence very easily. Um, so it makes sense that, that Twitter sort of, um, it almost has a, a built-in immune mechanism to sort of push back, whereas Facebook, because it's happening in people self-selected little groups and then they're just sharing things yeah. into the group they wind up sort of um getting these things and there's no pushback and then youtube is another one and i never thought about it much um but that algorithm that they they were previously using where you know you watch one youtube video and then all of a sudden a yeah. hundred other conspiracy youtube videos and because i have to watch these videos for work i get a lot of them um, but it's amazing how good they are at just getting you to the next video right away, and you can really get sucked into to yeah. something if you if you're not uh, um, um, if, if you're not prepared to push back against it. Yeah, that's really interesting. And there was one of one of my colleagues on the project, John Norton, who's a, is a journalist for the Guardian. He writes a lot on technology. He writes a column every, every um, for the Observer normally on Sunday on technology. And then he did point out that. 
YouTube. You know, if you if you if you Google or if you try to find a video, you know, which would be something very. You start off with something very kind of simple, which would be I don't know. I want to do some exercise. I want to do some weight. So the first video you'll get will be you know how to do some you know I don't know go for a run or whatever it might be. But uh, the next video, if you keep going with the videos, ultimately you'll come to like how to do an Ironman 200 kilometer over, you know, one day, et cetera, et cetera. So it goes straight away to the, it kind of, the natural, um, the, the natural progression, if you want, or as the algorithms are put up, will push you more and more to the extreme. And so if you imagine you come with this a question about, well, what about, you know, what happened with JFK, for instance, right? There's still lots of questions about JFK. You know, you might start with, you know, just, I don't know, the Brutal film or something like that. But it will very, very quickly go into, you know, very, I don't know how you want to put it, but full-on or hardcore conspiracy theories about about all the things that you might want to put along with it. So so it is interesting that the technology is kind of geared in a certain way to encourage this type of thing. And that 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 is, I think, uh, probably a new feature of our societies. Um it's not that conspiracy theories were never there, but this propagation is definitely the nature of that has changed. And it's hard to think that that hasn't had an impact on our politics, too. So what can we do? How do you think it gets stopped? Because I think, you know, YouTube, for example, wanted to change their algorithm. Um, and I think that's probably a good thing. But on the other hand, the people who are already steeped in it are already steeped in it. And they'll go out and find what they want to find. Um, so it may be too late there for some people. Um, but but just outside of the social media, what do you think we can do to sort of make the politics less suspicious? Yeah, I, I, um, I kind of wrote a bit. And uh, following on from from the surveys being um, being reported in the Guardian, I think I, um, I, I I stuck my head out and and suggested five different ways in which uh, conspiracy theories might be kind of reduced, which was probably not a good idea at all. Um, but the, the the five that I had were um, obviously some of these will will, um, will will sound good. But um, the first one was, which goes back to the question about trust, which is why I brought it out in terms of trust, in terms of family or or friends, is that there's still trust there. And we often think, oh, it's very hard to talk to conspiracy theorists because you know they, if you, if you come to try to convince them otherwise, they'll be like, oh, but you would say that because you're in on the plot, etc. But if there's still trust amongst friends and family, you know, I think you could still have a slightly more honest discussion about what's going on. And I have anecdotal, admittedly, but I have anecdotal um, evidence that this may work with a certain friend recently who was expressing doubts about 9/11 and how it might have been, uh, in, you know, controlled. And I explained um, I explained to them how skyscrapers are built and that's why they collapse on themselves, et cetera, et cetera. And it seemed to have gotten some kind of um, some kind of leeway. The other people who are trusted are um, still um, are, um, are academics, um, and so maybe you know this is exactly the type of thing maybe we should we should be doing more of. Um, although within a certain you know I think we all know academics have crazy ideas too, but within a few, certain field of expertise um, that might be useful. So the Guardian, for instance, has Lucas Muda, who's this very well known kind of expert on populism, is running a series of things on populism, and maybe that you know. Maybe Joe, you should be doing more of this stuff. So um, good on you. Um, <laughs> it's Joe. Um, and, yeah, there you go. And then, well, so there was other stuff about you know education, regulating the technology. Obviously, that's a big one. Um, but if it is, the final thought was, if there is a bit, of, if there is, a, there is a, sometimes a sense about immigration. These things, like these are these are concerns that have been expressed. There is a sense often that politicians haven't heard, politicians haven't heard the type of messages. 
um, about concerns about immigration, um, feeling of threat or whatever it might be. Um, and I'm not at all suggesting that Hillary Clinton's right to say we should just stop immigration at all. I don't think that's that's the right answer. But some type some type of answer, some type of articulation of what a position is, um, rather than just kind of you know sweeping it under the carpet and not talking about it. I think the reason why we're having all these you know spikes in conspiracy theories about immigration or Muslim immigration or whatever it might be is that the population does expressing a concern about it, and politicians often either haven't been addressing it, or if they have been addressing it, to, to kind of make political hay out of it, to weaponize or throw kind of more oil on the fire, stoking certain fears. But for those who, for those who you know, don't think that's, that's the right answer, there hasn't been a coherent kind of story or narrative about what should be done about this. Do we have a coherent narrative today about the benefits, actually, of, of, of immigration? Um, I don't know. All we hear is how immigration is terrible and... And so that plays into certain political hands. So there's a, there is a question of being responsive, hearing, um, and also about 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 what uh, kind of formulating a political response, a clear political response to certain political kind of questions and concerns that, that are being expressed. Yeah, I mean, right now, a lot of the research into how can we deal with conspiracy theories is, you know, what's the right thing to say if we give a conspiracy theorist authoritative information, will they change their mind? And and there's not a lot of good findings yet. But to me, a lot of those strategies seem like like a cheap way to paper over the real problem. And if the real problem is that uh, politics isn't responsive or transparent, I mean that's a much more difficult problem yeah. to fix, and and one that um, will probably do a lot more good. I uh, yeah, I completely agree with that. I think on the first part, I know that we because we talk about conspiracy theories having this kind of self-sealing capacity. Any new information, they're just going to use it to justify their own kind of slightly beliefs. I, I think it's it's going to be very difficult, for, especially for outside people. But if there's a degree of trust, which is Maybe something to explore a bit more, a degree of trust, friends, family. Maybe that will be you get slightly more of a hearing. But I, otherwise, I completely agree that I think I've I, I think I've tried to say sometimes conspiracy theories are not the cause of the disenchantment with democracy, but are rather the symptom of the disenchantment with democracy. Right. So there's deeper problems here in terms of participation, in terms of. Um, feeling inclusion in terms of political inclusion, even economic or social inclusion, right? Which are aspects of it too. So these are this is this is part of the, the fundamental challenges I think our societies are are, are facing today. And conspiracy theories kind of are the epiph well, there are at least the the kind of the larger swell of conspiracy theories seem to be the epiphenomena of that. But there are I completely agree, Joe. There are deeper causes, deeper. Um, deeper roots to this, and those to tackle those. That that's a very very large and ambitious um, program. But you know, I think that's where we are. That's also where we are today. With we've had all these challenges, we've had all these kind of political electroshocks, whether it's Trump in America or Brexit in the UK. Um, and um, you know, these these are the res- these are the things that we we need to address and to try to come up with 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 new accounts of what should be done and new ideas and new policies to try to address these things. And conspiracy theories, I think, the belief in these uh, rep- kind of is 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 a representation of that malaise that there is with with our political systems and our democratic systems today. I, I noticed in the survey that that the mistrust in authority was very high in the UK. 
you know, from yep. uh, journalists and, and the government that. Uh, with Trump getting in power, did the mistrust go down? Like, did they, do, do they trust the government now that it's Donald Trump more so? Uh, I don't think so, sadly, and, and mainly because Donald Trump has continued precisely to 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 to, to peddle the same type of conspiracy theories um, about why his you know his brilliant and amazing and awesome ideas are not uh, not playing out as well as you would hope them, um, and that's been very interesting. We often thought conspiracy theories were going to be challenges to power, but what happens when you get a conspiracy theorist who is in power? But the thing is, when a conspiracy theorist like Trump comes to power, he just continues to use conspiracy theories to um, to um, to justify his 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 actions. So all the accusation about fake news, etc., hasn't helped hasn't helped at all. So sadly, no, there there hasn't. Um, I've, I've I, should, I can check that exactly, but I trust has not uh, not gone up, and it's been fueled, if anything, um, by conspiracy theorists or people like you know Orban, also populist or liberal democrats or whatever you want to call them, who have continued. I mean, the whole thing that you get. I think you get this. This has also become an international one, right? It's the role that Soros plays in all these awful things that are apparently happening in the world. Uh, I think you have then U.S. This is one of the things that definitely being Orban has been using to to shore up his his rule. He's, um, you know, they're both Hungarian, and he's accusing a Hungarian Jew living in America of being in the main opposition. So the conspiracy theories. Have continued. Have, it's, it's, that's been one of I think one of the big changes or the, the phenomena too. Is we weren't certain, but now we know conspiracy theorists in power. They just they just they don't change their rule book. They just keep using the same rule book, and they will continue having conspiracy theories about why they haven't been as successful as they claimed they were going to be. Yeah, I just thought Trump was kind of fighting the deep state. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, I I'm confused. Uh, you know, I thought he was the guy. Yeah, I think Joe, I'm going to leave that question to Joe. I think Joe yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, when in doubt, pass it to Joe. Pass it to Joe. He's the real expert. I'm just, I'm just kind of making a, a kind of subsidiary <laughs> appearance here. Yeah. Wow. What a, what amazing findings. Um, so now um, let's give out your website and any contact information that you want the public to have. Uh, great. Well, that's very kind. I mean, so it should be said the um, this survey was done with YouGov, who, which is a polling company based in the UK, but they have international um, antenna too. I think I think Joe has used them also in the US. Um, we um, our project was called the Conspiracy and Democracy Project at the University of Cambridge, um, based in this, this Center for the Research in the Arts, Social Sciences, and Humanities, aptly named Crash, which was a, a great kind of name. And it was funded by the Levy Hume Trust, which is a, a kind of a, a philanthropic um, organization based in, in the UK. And in fact, the Levy Hume, the fact that we were funded by the Levy Hume Trust mean, meant that we, we were obviously, our project became uh, a kind of a subject of conspiracy theorizing. I think David Icke accused us of being the propaganda arm of the, of the, uh, of the government, of the British government, <laughs> because the Levy Hume Trust was, was founded by a colonist and a Freemason, of course, so we were all in it, we're, we're all in it, we're, uh, we're lizards, Freemasons, colonists, etc. Um, so that's us, but, but um, the website is still, is, still, is still up and running, conspiracyanddemocracy.com, if I'm not mistaken, um, and then these findings has, have been reported in, uh, in in the Guardian. So that's yeah. So that's hopefully, if you're interested in seeing more, 
some of those things will be there. And we're hoping, obviously, do we, do we, this was only done. We only had our launch there a couple of weeks ago um, on, in November. So we're keeping working on this, and hopefully there'll be more things coming. There'll be more things coming out soon. Great. And we're going to have that late to our website as well, so people can just do uh, one click and go to it. Um, again, thank you very much for being here and, and, and taking the time to talk to us all the way from the thank UK. Thank you. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah, Hugo Drochon. Thank you very much. Cheers. To find out more about our show, guests, or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.